yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? It is the breakdown. Welcome to Canadian Football Perspective. I am at TSN underscore Marsh. They call me Marshall Ferguson when I'm not being used as a social media Twitter handle. Uh, he is at DT on SC, also known as Derek Taylor, depending on how you would choose to identify people, yeah. depending on which uh, social media platform you are on. DT, what's happening? I, I usually get, hey, you get out of my garbage a lot, <laughs> but I don't know if people think that's my name or they just don't want me rumbling. You know, rustling through their stuff. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, uh, it, it's all I, right. Everything is good. Everything is good here in Saskatchewan. The oppressive heat. You were we were talking about that last week. The oppressive yeah. heat here is gone, and it was a balmy eighteen nice. uh, on Tuesday. So uh, uh, nice that it's carried through here to Wednesday. Yeah, and we've uh, in Ontario, we have now gathered. I think some of that heat that's passed through this direction, and it's officially become a, a normal ish. I would say summer in Hamilton where every single day looks like it could be 40 degrees and sunny, or it might crash out and be a thunderstorm for four straight days. Uh, Cause it's so damn humid in this part of, of the world and uh, being able to guess whether or not you should go out and do something active for the day or sit at home and listen to the rain hit against the window. Eh, just a crapshoot. Uh, just your guess is as good as anybody else's, but at least we have reached yeah. that point where the heat is here and we get to make that choice, which I know for a lot of people is a, uh, a very welcome change, as is the idea of getting ready for the CFL season. If you want to do so, sawdustcitybeer.com. Go there, use the promo code CFL, orders over $100. You get free shipping. Ontario residents only must be legal drinking age. Thank you to our friends at Sawdust City. I just found out we're going to do, hopefully, fingers crossed, teaser here, uh, a live taping down at Merritt Brewing in downtown Hamilton because Sam Corbet, our good friend from Sada City, has some friends down at Merritt Brewing in Hamilton. And so we're going to go down there and uh, record like an hour's worth of stuff of us just tasting a whole bunch of different things that Merritt Brewing has and basically do it as a crossover event with them, a uh, local Hamilton brand that a lot of people know very well in downtown there. So hopefully we'll be able to do that for you. And of course, don't forget that if you are returning to play coming up, uh, which by the way, all Canadian, great episode again with uh, Wade and Connor on Tuesday as they were talking about their U Sports selections, U Sports season ramping up, getting ready. If you are returning to play, if you're a U Sports coach, a high school coach listening to this, get yourself some fresh whistles and get the uh, promo code there, CFP15 for 15% off, of course, using uh, the fox40shop.com link to be able to go there and get that. They got all the safe whistles, all the electronic whistles, all the whistle innovations that you want. So make sure you are doing that. Uh, I got my second vaccine shot today. Uh, I rapidly deteriorate. We are taping this at about 9.45 uh, p.m. Eastern time. And at mm. about 8 p.m., I felt like an old man. And then I crashed on the couch just face down. Uh, and I missed my alarm by about 15 minutes, which is why uh, I was late joining up with DT here. But uh, I do not regret it. Uh, I think that it is a wonderful feeling to randomly feel like you are experiencing Grey Cup Monday as a hangover. Uh, because that's basically what it feels like, honestly, to, to people that are, oh, I don't know, the second shot, it's a weird one, man. I don't know how this is going to, 
it just feels like yeah. you ha- you had six beers and we're up until 4 a.m., which is just Grey Cup Sunday. So uh, the idea of yeah. having a Grey Cup Monday as we're sitting here getting ready to kick off the season, I'm kind of okay with it. Actually, almost makes me feel nostalgic. <laughs> yes, my second shot was nothing like Grey Cup uh, Monday. It was uh, repeated kicks to the groin. So that's that's what mine felt like. It was double, totally worth it. But oh man, it, it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like you're getting some of what I got. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully a, a good sleep clears it up for you. Oh yeah, totally worth it. But it still sucks to have flu-like symptoms whapping you around the house. <laughs> yeah. In uh, kind of one of those happenstance things as well, where you go, okay, you know, small world, or I, and this is the funny thing, and I I bet you run into this all the time, whether it was you in Winnipeg, you in Toronto, you now in Regina, DT, where you have these life experiences that directly correlate with what you do in broadcasting. And you don't go searching for content in everyday life, but sometimes everyday life just becomes discussions that turn into content. And I had one of those today where I went to a shopper's drug mart. I actually woke up this morning and thought to myself, man, I, I should get my second shot. Like I'm eligible. Why have I not done this as of yet? And honestly, it had just kind of slipped past me. Like I was in just the daily of I'm sitting at home and I'm just, I'm not really going out or doing anything. And so I had kind of actually forgotten to just take care of it because I don't put myself at risk. I don't have to go into anywhere. I'm not in big settings. I'm, but then I'm going, yeah, but CFL season's coming up. So it just struck me. I called the shoppers drug mart. They said, yes, we have vaccines over here. Do you want to come get? Yes, absolutely. Okay. In 25 minutes, can you be here? Yes. So I went over and I get there and I sit down and there's a man uh, next to me. Who's an an older gentleman had a bit of an accent. And uh, he says that he's getting his first shot. And uh, so I overheard that. I'm like, wow, okay. He's probably in his fifties or sixties. And so he's sitting there and, you know, he goes in first and he gets his and he has to wait his 15 minutes. And I go in and I get mine and I come out and he says to me, is this your first or your second? And I said, oh, it's my, my second, actually. I'm all done. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. He goes, it's my first. I, I had to wait quite a bit of time because um, I have cancer. And I said, wow, I'm sorry cool. to hear that. How long have you been dealing with this? And he said that his cancer medication that he's on didn't allow him. So we actually had to take a break from that in order to get the vaccine. And he had to kind of plan it out and schedule it. And he said, well, you know, my family is really hesitant to take the vaccine. But he said, I'm a Ticat season ticket holder since 1979. And I, bar- I rarely ever miss a game. And he started listing off all the great games he's been to, all of the playoff games, all the players that he loved, all these things. And we sat there for 15 minutes and just had this incredible CFL discussion and completely took his mind off everything. And then he just kind of did the the classic European old guy move where you go double hands onto the knees, the slap and the, well, I better be going. And he just, <laughs> st- <laughs> he just stood up and he just, he was like, yeah, your 15 minutes is up and mine's going to be up in a couple of minutes. So I just said, Hey man, it's, I look forward to, to seeing you at Tim Horan's field. And I didn't do the, like, you know, I, uh, you ever listen to a game on radio? Like it, I wasn't one of those. It was just, I was an interested. Yeah. It was like I was in an episode of undercover boss. If you've ever seen that on CBS where I was just listening in, like, tell me your story. Right. And he's a diehard Thai cats fan. So uh, I ended up getting his name. I won't uh, publicize it on here, but I'm hoping that in the CFL season, I'll be able to see him down there at Tim Hortons field. Once we get fans in. And the reason that he honestly said that he had decided against his family who were deciding that they weren't interested in it, whether it was because of, Uh, you know, their family culture, or if it was something from uh, their background or whatnot. And he said, I'm, I don't want to miss Ticats games. I was like, man, that's, that's a a powerful thing after what Winnipeg had said about, 
you're getting people that are double vaccinated into their stadium and then having a Ticats fan who's a season ticket holder since 79, older guy, whole family is saying no to the vaccine for whatever reason. And he's saying, you guys are idiots. I ain't missing Ticats football. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever drives you, right? And, and I mean, here in Saskatchewan, that's going to be a real drive, right? Yeah. Because we're hopeful that there's 33,500 people there for August the 6th. And, oh, hey, if I need two weeks for this thing, whatever it is, two weeks, 17 days, whatever the actual number is for your second vaccine to be fully effective, start doing the math and it's it's coming up pretty quick. So yeah. whatever drives people to do it, I actively encourage it. And uh, for any youngsters listening out there, the double knee slap, well, got to go. It's perfect. It's the in-person Irish exit. It's the two-person conversation Irish exit. It's awesome. Uh, it, it, it was great. It really did make my day to have that conversation with that guy. And also, you know, he, <laughs> I'm, I'm rewatching lost, uh, right now, which I never really got all the way through, but Marlene and I have always wanted to watch it. So we're kind of chipping away at it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's some scenes in that where people are kind of given the life lessons, right. Where they're stranded on the side and they're saying, yeah, but you find positivity wherever you can. And, and he actually said to me, because he was talking about having cancer and having to go through whatever and the scrutiny for his family and trying to get healthy enough to go to Ticats games. And he said, you know, you take the good days as often as you possibly can and you just ride out the bad ones. And he was like, today's a good day because I'm on the path to getting to go watch Ticats football. I'm like, man, that is it's such a great perspective. So Love that it. was that, that was a pretty cool moment to be able to see uh, this week. On the show, we're going to flip things up. Usually we do some headlines and chatter about whatever's happening in the league uh, off the top here, which, by the way, at some point on the breakdown, we're actually going to be able to just dive into breaking down very specific things, which I'm looking forward to. But for now, it's usually headlines and then a topic. This week, I want to go topic and then headlines and wanted to do this back on uh, the show that led up to Canada Day last week. But I wanted to let this have some time to breathe and ruminate and see how much of an idiot I felt like I was going through it. Uh, which is kind of my all-Canadian team, just to give people a sense mm -hmm. for the best Canadian players that are in the league as of right now. And if your name is not in here, it's not because I hate you. It's because I'm an idiot. Uh, it's because I don't do uh, a great job of keeping track of every single snap at every single position. DT does a lot of the very focused stuff on a variety of positions. I'm quarterback receiver guy for the most part when I'm tracking things because that's my passion and that's what I grew up really caring about, loving. But uh, I just wanted to throw this out there as some names that basically to, to keep on your radar and to be hyper aware of going into this season uh, that I think are the very best that Canadian football has to offer right now. And there's the thing I like about this, a lot of players from a lot of different teams uh, that I put out there. So at quarterback, uh, I've got Michael O'Connor and Nathan Rourke. Why? They're the Canadian quarterbacks. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, they're they're the ones that are in the picture as of right now. Uh, when it comes to running back, Andrew Harris obviously is the gold standard as of. I laughed reading Ed Tate's uh, BlueBombers.com preview positionally of running backs because he started <laughs> it off by saying, "One day there will be a moment where Andrew Harris walks into the front office of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and says, well, that's it. I'm done.'" That moment has not come, and so he is still trudging toward breaking down so many records from running backs around uh, the history of Canadian football if he hasn't already attacked them. So uh, he's in there. I put Sean Thomas Erlington as my number two uh, in that spot. Yep. Tough because the injuries, right? And it's it's unfair to criticize someone based on injuries. It's why I hate what we do to Zach Claros because 
It's not Zach's fault that he's been concussed. It's not Zach's fault that he tore his ACL. These things happen in a physical violent sport. But Sean Thomas Rollington, do you have any any quibbles, any concerns with uh, Sean Thomas Rollington as RB2 behind Andrew Harris there? Uh, I am just going to go ahead and pull up his yards per carry last year. Okay. Uh, and granted, it was 33 carries, but 6.8 yards per carry, yeah. 3.7 yards after contact last year. Yeah. I have zero quibbles with Sean Thomas Rillington <laughs> being on the list. He was going to be the fantasy darling of the CFL before the injury. Those were my one, two for sure. Like it's, okay. it's just not, not particularly that hard. Honestly, I, I love that. I love that pick by you. Okay. Good stuff. Cause I know that there are, there's, I mean, there's a lot of quality backs that are Canadian. It's just that not a lot of them get the productivity that Sean Thomas Rillington has had when healthy. And people will say, but if you're not healthy, yeah. you can't help this imaginary team of mine. And I, I agree with that, but I also I just want to see Sean Thomas Arlington over a full season, stay healthy and contribute. And that might not even mean in 2021, what it might've meant in 2019, because now Don Jackson's in there, right? So Don Jackson's going to get a large chunk of the workload, even if Sean Thomas Arlington is healthy, but I don't doubt that if Sean Thomas Arlington is RB two of the tie cats behind Don Jackson, and he's producing the way that he was in 2019, Sean Thomas Arlington is going to get a lot of those touches in that spot. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to be able to flex the ratio like that to, and that one of the real pluses, right. Of guys like Kate Harris is regardless of nationality, one of the great running backs that we have in the Canadian football league, but to be able to flex to a guy and get, gain a Canadian spot yeah. that, that virtually if, if, if STE is healthy for 18 games, he he's immediately more valuable than any American running back in the CFL. Yeah. Just because you add that nationality in and you can perform Oh, a hole's there. I can hit it for seven yards. Done. Done. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And there aren't, there are a lot of them, but as far as ones that I believe would be an impact, we're running, we're running a little low after this. Uh, I'd throw Johnny Augustine in there. What I saw him do to the riders in 19, but yeah, like impact Canadians. Uh, I still have STD visions of Keenan. I still have visions of Keenan LaFrance. Yep. Like that's the one for oh, me yeah. where I, I think of him very similarly to Sean Thomas Arlington, where I go, if you give that game a guy a six game run as a starting running back for a team, he can produce for you. I don't care that he's older than Sean Thomas Arlington by a couple of years. Oh, and that was the hope, right? When he came to Saskatchewan after Ottawa in the playoff game where he, what was it? 144, 154 he had in I, that playoff yeah. game? Fantastic. I'd have to go back and dig that up because I've been a big Keen LaFrance fan since watching him play university ball. But one of the, one of the corollaries of my running backs don't particularly matter is you can get great production from Canadians and we need to do more of it. So yeah. we need to encourage uh, the Sean Thomas Erlington's the, the fa fact that the two gray cup teams have very deep rosters of Canadian running backs. Like the first four guys in Winnipeg are all Canadians. Fantastic. Love yeah. it for the yeah, CFL. Absolutely. Uh, for the fullback position. Uh, I love, what Declan Cross does with the Argos. Uh, yes, it's, there we it's, go. It's funny because, but I decided to make him my second fullback, okay? And the reason for that is that I imagined this as yeah. if I was a GM trying to build a roster. And so my first one is Mike Miller because I thought, okay, well, if I want to have oh, a special teams dynamo who's a fullback, and I'm like, well, if I go with two fullbacks, I can use Declan for offensive stuff and I can use Mike Miller. But the first one I picked just out of respect for what Mike Miller does, and also because I didn't want to pick a Mac guy as my top fullback, uh, was because I, I went Mike Miller <laughs> believing 
that I, I need to have special teams and who better to have than a veteran presence in my made up all Canadian locker room who is established and great on special teams. It's going to be the captain of my special teams unit. And so uh, I went Mike Miller and Declan Cross at fullback. Oh, I think Nikola Kalinich fans nationwide are going to yes. be that the voice of the Ticats <laughs> didn't take old number 84. I See, I, Declan Cross was the first one off the board for, for me because for just the reasons you mentioned, the things he's able to do in Toronto and decent hands out of the backfield. Uh, plus, Calvin McCarty is gone from the game yeah. now. Uh, Declan Cross to me. Uh, I, I like the thought of, I didn't think at all about special teams, which is a failing of mine in this, but I, I thought, man, Cross is one kind of player. Nikola Kalinich of Hamilton is is used in a totally different fashion. Yeah. I really like the thought of that because I get really curious about what Hamilton is going to do with Kalinich and Jake Burt <laughs> yeah. in the same offense. I can't wait to see that. Uh, I texted Jake Burt, by the way, earlier this week. I was like, hey, welcome to the Hammer. I hope that's not too boring in your quarantine. And he said, the thing I'm most upset about is I can't actually go learn anything about the city before we're already playing football games. Because he said, I came in. They put, yeah. they put me in a room and then I'm supposed to just like be football guy and do football all the time. And then like quarantine and football and quarantine and football. And he's like, but I have all these people who are coming to games or are watching me on television early in the season when we're playing out West to start the year who want to cheer for me. And they're from this town that I know nothing about because I haven't been able to even step outside the door and go and see like a waterfall or go out and hang, hang out at a nice establishment, Stony Creek or like none of that has been available to him. So he was like, well, I'm looking forward to actually understanding what Hamilton is as I wear a Hamilton Tiger Cats uniform. Cause I have no idea, but yeah, Klenich and, yeah. and Jake Burt side by side in that one. Um, okay. The reason honestly that I went with, with cross is because there was a direct handing of the baton from the body type to the, the style of play and all the rest of Rob Cote and Calvin McCarty to Declan Cross. Like the timelines just, they overlapped almost perfectly. It was like, hey, you're the next one. And Declan has taken that and run with it. Mike Miller, like I say, is just respect for what he's done on special teams. And I have great respect for guys that have longevity as Canadians in the CFL grinding it out on specials. But honestly, for Klinich, I need more from his hands. And I say that as someone who realizes... Yeah. He bullies the hell out of people pretty consistently in run blocking and that he gets open and he separates and he's a, he's a ton of fun, but there were too many times in 2019 where I wanted him to make a grab or they slipped him out on play action into the flats or on a corner router and the hands just weren't as solid as I wanted. So uh, I'm hoping that that dude who has every physical standing next to Nicola Klinich makes me feel like a child and I'm six, three, 200. Like he makes me feel like a big, I just want him to pick me up and rock me back and forth most of the time when I'm interviewing him because he is so big in person. His shoes, when you stand next to him in a post-game locker room, his shoes feel like they're twice the size of yours. When you shake his hand and he has his gloves on, he almost does like the hand wrap thing. He is a monster of a human being. He has all the physical attributes, but I just want him to become, and I'm not saying a dominant pass catcher. He's not going to be listed in my receivers here in a second, but I want to see him start to develop more of that because if he does then they're going to be so unstoppable with that package you're talking about because Bert actually has those hands because he's been an NCAA tight end yeah and then you add it to all those we didn't even talk about the unbelievable receiving core that they've they've presented there but yeah, yeah. that's uh those are very good I, I'm very curious uh to get your receivers in this because I found 
I was cutting guys that I wanted to keep desperately yes. because there are a lot of great Canadian receivers in so this league. Ooh. I I thought about should I go with like eight receivers and try to make this a real true dress roster or not? And I also thought about is it guys that I've seen have great great production previously or people that I believe this season are going to be more productive. And yeah. This this is where it gets tricky, right? Where you're leaving names off that actually deserve to be on there and you're projecting instead of looking at the past success and all the rest. But um, the ones that I put on there were Calgary, Herjie Mayala, BC, Lamar Durant, yeah. uh, Toronto, Juwan Briskason, yeah. Edmonton, Tavon yeah. Smith, uh, Saskatchewan, Justin McInnes, be. because I believe McInnes is going to be okay. an important part of like that 3-4 split, depending on how they want to share reps and targets. And after that, and again, that's five guys there, so that could be your starting five. But after that, a projection that I thought going into the year, just based on who his coach is and who the quarterback is, I thought Dan Peterman was going to be really productive. I'm starting to waver on that because I just don't know how that passing attack is going to look at all for Ottawa at this point. And again, no slight oh, to, to Lapo and Nichols and all the rest, but with the O-line, suddenly no Fontana, no Alex Mateus, and seeing the Dan Peterman came over and I thought it was to play a, a very specific role that he was going to be getting five, six targets a game. And they were going to use him as this kind of like game breaking, creative Canadian playmaker. I just, I thought that was going to be the spot. Now I'm going, I don't know how that position is going to flourish in an offense that doesn't have the people that we expected them to. Yeah. Who do you move to the boundary? Cause all the guys you named play have played that field side. Yeah. The the thing we don't have in the CFL is boundary side Canadian receivers. So right. I'm curious who you would move to the more active side. I'll give you my thoughts in a second. Yeah. But so who would be the guys that you put boundary based, wide boundary slot based on skill set. It's a good question. I would go, cause I hadn't really thought about it, but I would go Hergy as the X. I think he would go my boundary wide. Um, Oh, okay. Because I just, I think that he's got, I mean, he might get beat up a little bit off the line of scrimmage if somebody like a Delvin Bro or a Trey Roberson's going up on him and press. But uh, but I think Hergie's got the, the speed to get down the sideline with a nice little burst there. And then, uh, I don't know, like I got to keep Briskason over to the field. I want to keep Durant over to the field just because I like the size and the quicks. Maybe Tavon Smith. Uh, I know that people might think of him as it basically would be between Tavon Smith yeah. for me and Justin McInnes to go into that boundary slot, I think. Yeah, I, I think McInnes is going to, when we talked to McInnes after the 19 draft, he said, I'm used to playing more on the outside. So I've kind of cast him as he'll be that Z receiver for the riders is my impression. Yep. Uh, Smith and my Smith and Myala were the ones I thought of. I thought I would put Smith at that X and I would move uh, Myala to the, whatever you want to call it, the W, whatever teams will call it. Right. Those, those are the two because Myala, you just feel like that guy is going to be something so special in that Calgary offense. And I, I don't hear enough people talking about Tavon Smith. He put up some really nice numbers last year. I, even though he'll be maybe the fourth option in that, that very deep Elks receiving core, uh, I think we are going to get to know Tavon Smith very well this year. So uh, he is my ex receiver. Gosh, Lamar Durant, Briskason. You didn't mention Shaq Johnson, who's been on Twitter saying I he's know. the best receiver on the BC Lions. Yeah, I, so. I have him as my Zed, but you don't. You didn't. You didn't name him. Well, that's the one where when I named Dan Peterman, I I see that as a projection yeah. because I believe that Mike Riley is going to lean so heavily on what's happening there with Brian Burnham that I I don't know if you're going to end up getting enough production from Johnson in that spot. Whereas I'm thinking to myself, well, Ottawa might have nowhere else to go with the ball, Derek. 
Like that's honestly where I'm at in, in a projection where I'm going somebody who understands the offense, who is relatively young. And, and this is the thing that's tricky as well is like Johnson absolutely deserves to be in that spot, right? If I'm rounding up the seven, he's my seventh guy and he could go into any of those spots and be productive. But when I, I look at the trend of young Canadian receivers, it's, you have to find somebody who is in that sweet spot between being too young and inexperienced to not really know what they're doing in the CFL, just running around and trying to catch balls to not being old enough that your body is starting to break down. Like, and basically based on the production levels of guys that typically comes from most CFL receivers that are Canadians between year two and five, like, let's be real about this because the longevity of guys careers is not like the NFL for a lot of different positions where you end up going five, six, seven years. It's if you get a five-year starter or a five-year major contributor, that's, uh, that's a good amount of run that you get out of somebody in the CFL draft. So for me, I think Peterman's in that sweet spot. I think he's with the quarterback. I think he's with the coach. I think he's got the skill set. Is he more productive than Johnson, who's in an established offense at this point with Mike Riley and other weapons around him? Probably not at this point, to be honest with you. So um, I think that that one, I, I will probably listen back to this at the end of the season and laugh at how dumb that pick is on my part. But I do think <laughs> that if I were looking at this group as a, you know, where are we splitting up our targets? I think that Briskason would yeah. probably be a, a bit of a targets monster. Like he might be in Toronto, depending on how the Eric Rogers stuff goes. And obviously Jajan Brzezettis over there as well. And some other big names, but I think that Briskason is going to actually, because in, in Calgary, he was highly graded, pretty productive, not very many targets because it was just so many other people and names, but now he's going to get an opportunity, I think, to kind of put his stamp on it. So I think in this made up team, he might lead the team in targets over to that field side. And then whoever we put in the boundary, whether it would have been Myala or Smith, uh, I think they would probably be number two in the spot, honestly, in, in the amount of targets they would get. Here's a trouble spot I had as I, as I picked out my roster and I, I had eight receivers in mind. Uh, I was trying to figure out who's going to be number three to the field. And I thought, well, Nick Dembski, multi-purpose weapon, yeah. carries the ball, can carry the ball out of the backfield, can obviously receive. Uh, and then I started to think about Javon Katoy in BC. And yeah. that dude is a big cat. <laughs> and he has sure hands. And he put up decent numbers in a in a 2019 BC offense. I think we all understand if I'm going to say in a 2019 BC offense, it had problems, but <laughs> Javon Katoy showed really well in that 38 catches on 45 targets, 10 yards per catch, you know, short depth of target wham blocked that backside defensive end. I, I, I didn't know which of those guys to put as my starter at that, th- that three to the field. And I, I'm, I still don't know because they both bring different things for me. Yeah, I, I would lean Dembski there because I think he is a more multiple skill set. But you're right, Katoy can beat the hell out of people. And he's, I mean, yeah. he's so physical that I, I love watching him play. He actually was one, another one of those people. I talk about Nikola Klinic, where you stand next to him, you go, wow, didn't know you were this big in person. I was down on the field watching Javon Katoy warm up for a BC game at Hamilton a couple of years ago. And it jumped out to me how big he was just jogging around with helmet and shoulder pads on during stretch lines and stuff. I'm like, I had no idea this guy. Cause you always see the number, right? Like, Oh, six, four, You're like, okay, yeah, sure. Mm. And then you actually see what six, four, looks like because some six, four, are guys with narrow shoulders and skinny little legs. And they just happen to be six, four, Cause they just carry it differently. He's like wide shoulders, 
big hips, thick through the legs. And you're like, that looks like 250 at times, the way that he runs around. So Malcolm Williams is another one like that for me, where I remember when the Argos picked him up and I was, I was watching him. He was like a CJFL guy, if I'm not mistaken. And he got picked up by the Argos. And I asked Vince Magri from Toronto about him. And Vince just said, like, you're not going to believe how athletic this guy is. And I was like, okay, sure. I was like, I know that you guys thought this about Levi Noel as well. And he turned into a great special teamer. But in terms of offense, he didn't produce much. And I was like, well, we'll see what happens happens with Malcolm. And there hadn't been a whole lot there. But he certainly has that Katoy body type where you, you just see it on the field. And you go, no wonder these guys fall in love in the scouting game with them. Yeah. Chris Jones will probably would trade and turn him into a defensive end. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think even the receiver is a place to go. The AC Leonard for a new generation. If this receiving thing doesn't work out for him. Uh, let's move on to tackle here. Uh, I've got some, some youth. I've got some experience. Uh, I've got a bunch of different stuff and I'm going to go with Chris Van Zyle, uh, just because despite the fact what, Jackson Jeff Coat and Willie Jefferson did to him and Riker Matthews in the 2019 Great Cup. I still got a lot of love for Chris Van Zyl, so uh, I'll go with him there. And then I picked two other tackles, just kind of the idea of having a swing tackle who maybe fills in on this imaginary roster. And again, I'm tweaking the rules because I make the rules because it's my own roster. Uh, and so Ottawa, I go with Mark Cordy and then Toronto, yep. Jamal Campbell uh, were the oh, two okay. that I decided to go with that I actually like a lot. And I understand that there's there's, I mean, Jason Lazance again just actually announced his retirement as we're taping this on uh, July 6th. And uh, there's a couple of other names around the league. Obviously, Edmonton has got some look there at some flexibility that they have guys that could play tackle at this spot and guys that have NCAA experience playing tackle and recent CFL experience having to dabble into tackle. But when I looked at really who I would want to start, I thought Van Zyl and Mark Cordy would probably be the most secure for me now if I was picking a roster that I wanted to have success and was projecting for the next five years, Van is not going to play five more years. Uh, and I'm, I'm amazed that he's coming back through all of this stuff that's happening. And I hope that he's not one of those. You know, I don't want to give him the Brad Sinopoli treatment here. So knock on wood that I did on that podcast where I say, I wonder if Brad Sinopoli is going to retire. And then 12 hours later, Brad Sinopoli <laughs> retires. But um, I really hope that Chris Van Zyl is not like a day one CFL training camp announcement where they wait to give him the full media shine on Saturday or something of, Hey, he's retired because he's been around a long time and taken a lot of beatings. But um, yeah, the, the projection I would say for a single season going into this year, I would want a young tackle and I would want an older one. And that's kind of where I was going with those. Yeah. I Cordy and Van Zyl were mine. I, I put Brett Boyko on my list because I believe Boyko when he when he says that he he got hurt early in 2019 and 2019 was was just it was an awful season for him. Yeah. I, I don't think I have any tackle that allowed more pressures on a per game per start basis than Boyko did. So I, I but I believe him when he said he was hurt. He played left tackle. He played right tackle in 19. I feel like okay, that's a guy I feel comfortable adding into the mix there. And oh, in the meantime. Uh, I have guys on the interior that I that have shown they can kick outside in an emergency in the CFL. So uh, I, I'm pretty happy with those three as my tackles. But I'm curious to see more from Jamal Campbell yeah. in a non uh, a, a better Toronto offense. I was going to say so, an insulting word there, but in a better <laughs> Toronto offense. Let's say that. And one that gets the ball out more quickly, we think, uh, because of what we've seen with Nick Arbuckle and Ryan Dinwiddie and what that's going to look like with the Calgary attack and throwing checkdowns and being smart with the football and having a plethora of athletic receivers. And it's, yeah, Toronto is going to be vastly improved. I 
I'm almost to the point without even seeing them on the field where I want to stop doing the projection of, we think they're going to be better. We think I'm kind of the, to the point where I'm like, they're going to be better. They absolutely have to be better. Yes. They've got all the pieces to be able to get that done. Uh, at guard, we got a billion names. This is names. good because there's a lot of depth here. There's yeah, we, this is one of those one of those positions that, and I'm just going to say center, Sean McEwen. I just, I wrote that off. I, yeah. made, I made Sean McEwen my starting center and no disrespect to a lot of other quality names that are Canadian guys. But if I'm looking right now, it's Sean McEwen. If I'm looking next five years, it's Sean McEwen. So Sean McEwen is the guy for me. At guard, uh, I have Evan Johnson as a starter now in Saskatchewan, of course, coming over from Ottawa. Uh, I just love, I think he's so good. And then the other ones that I have in here that are kind of my options that I would, I'd like to get your thoughts on who you would start alongside Evan Johnson, Hunter Stewart in BC, Philippe Gagnon in Montreal, Matt O'Donnell. I can't believe he signed back in Edmonton. And then the one that I think I would go with starting opposite Evan Johnson, just because I love their body types and their athleticism, Brandon Revenberg. Uh, Brandon Revenberg is the other guard okay. for me. So I would be going in an offensive line that has Mark Cordy, Chris Van Zyl, Brandon Revenberg, Sean McEwen, and Evan Johnson, and me like, uh, as soon as I start reading yeah. off that old line and I think of that as the starting group, I'm like, that is a great group. Yeah, Johnson's a guy who, who's shown he could be flexible, right? 31 starts at left guard, but then, I, then a few starts at right tackle and right guard as well. Uh, I've had, uh, I have Revenberg and Johnson, but both as natural left guards, I had to go just, I mean, on the way you rave about the work Revenberg does, I had to pick him as my starting left guard. And Evan Johnson is one of my depth players to uh, move wherever I like. So I ended up, I would absolutely take both those, leave Revenberg left and Johnson to the right because Johnson's shown he can can do it. I think that's a fantastic uh, starting lineup. I went with uh, traditional right guards and I, another spot where, mm, who do I pick the veteran or the slightly less veteran uh, between Patty Newfeld in Winnipeg and Sook Chung in uh, BC. Man, I have and such a hard time going with Sook Chung or Brett Boyko just because of what happened in 2019 in BC. I just have a yeah. mental block where until I see those dudes block people for a six to eight week stretch effectively. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. And I've not, I've never been uh, as high on Sook Chung as very clearly the league is, or at least BC is because they gave him a a ton of money to go there. And people are like, he is amazing in the run game. And in my mind, I go, okay, but I care about that 30% of the time. I (laughs) care about the pass game the rest of the time. And I, I've, so I've never been the biggest Sook Chung guy, but I, I feel like there's one guy I have to go to. So it's, yeah, it, I, I'm with you. And that, that I do, I would like to see it because BC, 2019 BC, apart from Brian Burnham, was just so hilarious. And, and I took Hunter Stewart because I thought if there was a Canadian on that offensive line that I was, uh, if I could take him out of BC's situation in 2019 and plug him into any team and I think he'd have success, I think it's Hunter Stewart. Yeah. And so that was my reasoning for including him in the guard conversation there. But I mean, and it's again, nothing against Su Chung, but like you're saying, the value of a CFL protector is pass protection. It's not steamrolling people. Yeah. And I understand that he, like he, that's the funny thing for me is when he left Winnipeg, a team that wanted to run the ball 50% or more on first down to go to BC for a team with Mike Riley. I'm like, they're not paying Mike Riley, the amount of my, Michael, sorry, uh, Riley, the amount of money yeah. that they are in order to be able to hand the ball off and take it out of his hands 50% of the time. Like Winnipeg was designed for that. BC was not, he left a free agency and he went to BC. So that, I mean, in terms of 
not even necessarily analytics, but just people who understand football. I think that there was a lot of that around the CFL of people saying that guy's strengths, he's leaving the team that uses his strength and they're putting him in a situation where he's going to have to uh, not use his strength for 70 to 75% of the time. And that was a head scratcher to me, but again, given a year and a half to be able to get ready. I thought Michael Riley talking about this in the BC press conference was super interesting where he said, people don't realize how banged up our entire offensive line was essentially the entire year. Like Joel Figueroa banged up uh, Hunter Stewart going through some stuff. He said, Peter Godbear is going to be a stud for us at center moving forward. Sue Chung's back in is we got Riker Matthews at tackle. So he talked really glowingly about the outlook of the BC Lions offensive line in 2021. And, uh, and I, yeah, but I still looking backwards again, this is the tricky game of this looking backwards versus looking forwards, looking backwards. I have an unfair mental picture of what happened in BC in 2019. Uh, I like to think of it as secured the bag. Yeah. Uh, I got a chance to play at home and I got a chance to make a bunch of money. Uh, I'm going to do it. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, hold anything against uh, against Suk Chung for that, but uh, I'm with you on much of that. The the final guy on my list, yes, because I want guys with flexibility. Uh, Evan Johnson has started at three different positions. Uh, I took Christian Matt as a second center yeah. uh, because one, I think he's particularly good at his job, but he started at left tackle, left guard, and right guard in his career with Montreal. He has shown this. Spencer Wilson level of flexibility and where do you need me to play today? Okay. I need to be left tackle. Cool. I got this. You need me to be at center. I'm probably going to be the all-star in the East. Uh, you know, now that Sean McEwen is, is gone, I'm, I'm going to be the all-star. So uh, Christian Matt will be the guy who the final guy to make my roster because I love one. I love him. And two, I love the flexibility that he's already shown. We've got yeah. proof of it. Yep, absolutely. I'm a Christian Matt fan as well. Uh, let's flip over to defense. Uh, this is a little bit half-baked because, man, it's tough to put guys in defensive back positions uh, that are Canadians because they just there's not a whole lot of it across the league. But let's begin yeah. on the defensive line. And I'll just give you my starting four across the board here. With defensive ends, I went Kwaku Boateng out of Edmonton and yep. Jonathan Kongbo uh, from Winnipeg. I, yep. <laughs> I put Kongbo, Kongbo there because I just thought if I'm going dynamic pass rushers, flying off the edge and you're picking from the crop of Canadian guys. It's rare to have a true dominant pass rusher. And I could have just gone Matthew Betts alongside Kwaku Boateng, but I'm taking Kongbo over Matthew Betts all day long, despite the fact that I like Matthew Betts game. And I always have. So uh, I'm going Kwaku and Kongbo. And then a defensive tackle. I went Ted Laurent and Derek Wigan, uh, Hamilton and oh! Cal- Calgary is the two that I went with there. Really? You, you don't like the Derek Wigan? Where would you go instead of Derek Wigan? Cause my thinking on this was, if you want to go with like a true nose, like an eat up the inside defensive tackle, then Teddy Laurent can take care of that. I want a different style of player. And Derek Wigan, even at his uh, veteran age at this point in his career, he's got a little bit more lateral movement than Teddy does, I think. Uh, and I don't want Teddy being upset with me when he sees me at training camp on Saturday. So I apologize, Ted. Please don't eat me. Uh, but the idea of Derek Wigan being able to work alongside Ted Laurent and then have Kwaku Boateng and Jonathan Kongbo flying off the edges, I just, I was imagining that roster as what would that look like as a pass rush? And I liked it a lot, but where yeah. would you go with that second D tackle spot? We're, we're identical. Uh, I had Cleon Lang. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cleon Lang. I mean, if I look at the Ottawa roster uh, and I go, who do I want off that roster for my team? Cleon Lang's almost the first guy I come to. Uh, yeah. I, 
I don't, I don't know how he and Laurent would look together, but when I think of Canadian defensive tackles, I think of Ted and I think of Cleon Lang. Those are the first two guys. I can less describe Derek Wiggins' game. So he was kind of my, he was my, my last cut from the defensive line because my love affair with Jake Thomas continued. So <laughs> that may be unfair to Derek. And, uh, you know, uh, shout out to a guy with the same name and the same spelling. But I just love Jake Thomas with all my heart. But yeah, I, I, I'm, a big, I'm big on Cleon Lang. I thought that was a real solid signing that uh, Ottawa had in advance of the 2020 season. And for a team that doesn't have a lot of talent, uh, number 90 is, is going to be wrecking stuff, maybe alongside another Canadian in Stephon Charles. Yes. Yeah. That's a big one as well. Uh, you asked the question of, I don't know how Ted would look alongside Cleon Lang. The answer, very good. Uh, that's the thing about all of these guys is if you are in the conversation of the top three or four players at your position in our mind, depending on how many players we have with the receivers having, you know, six, seven, eight, you're a really good football player. It's why I kind of love this thought process of, okay, let me imagine team Canada and have them play against uh, not necessarily, you know, the American all-star team, but have them play against a CFL team. And you have all these Canadian players. I'm like, they would, they would do some damage. They'd be a pretty good group to see. I just love the idea of that D line though. Like Kwaku yeah. and Kong and Kongbo, standing on opposite sides of the defensive end roster that feels like a like a madden create a roster franchise mode type thing where you go wow i can't believe i was able to get both of those guys and have them in that spot and Kongbo is the third guy in a rotation in in winnipeg and yes i my heart my heart cries for every other every quarterback in the west because Kongbo's number three well here's number and, three in that list that's unbelievable the depth Winnipeg has at defensive end come on here's right here's my concern is that week one he's fresh coming back from the NFL and he's also number three which means that Hamilton without Riker Matthews and an older Chris Van Zyl has to in a long training camp keep somebody healthy to play that other tackle spot have them prepared yeah. for Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and Jonathan Kongbo in week one with Jeremiah Masoli coming off an ACL tear, assuming that he's going to be the starting quarterback there. I mean, even if it's Dane, Dane's going to have nightmares of seeing the arms of Willie Jefferson wrapping him up once every six, seven pass calls. Seven man protections in week number one. <laughs> hey, Jake and Nicola, oh, feel yeah. free to block somebody. <laughs> uh, Banks and Addison will get open. Uh, it worked for him in 18. It'll work for him in 2021. I love the uh, idea yeah, of Tommy no. Condell coming out of nowhere and going full house backfield, like diamond backfield, where it's Don, yes. ja it's Don Jackson in the pistol and it's Kalinich <laughs> and Jake Burt standing alongside as personal protectors and every single snap they're motioning up to the line of scrimmage and chipping the defensive ends and just releasing to the flats. Like that's a high school offense, but that might be what they have to do against those guys. Can you imagine? Hey, uh, if it's good enough for the new England Patriots to revert to a double tight end power game, uh, maybe it's good, to, good for the Hamilton tiger cats. Yeah. Uh, linebacker. Actually, my starters were, were pretty easy and there were, there were, man, there's some good linebackers as Canadians yeah. as well. What was it, who were your three in the in the linebacking core? Uh, so I didn't really know what to do with Sam. I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll leave that one to your yeah. expertise of where to go with it. But for me, uh, I went with Enoch Muamba as my starting middle linebacker, even though I know we've yeah. talked about some of the missed tackle stuff. My backup at middle linebacker, I, honestly, and it, it would have been a super niche pick. I was close to going Nick Shortle, but it sounds like he's leaning towards suspension, one-year retirement. But the reason for that is when he was in Montreal, Bearwoods goes down, Nick Shortle comes in, he, he balls out. He looks fantastic. He goes to Hamilton. He's just a special teams guy. Then you end up having middle linebacker get dinged. I think it was uh, was Tuggle that got hurt. 
and incomes next short only has to play for him or Simone goes down and incomes next short plays and he was productive there goes to Toronto and I thought okay well now he's going to be in a spot where he's actually going to get to flourish nope sorry Enoch Mwamba is going to come in and take over that spot so he's been shuffled backwards on three of four East Division teams at linebacker when he's actually deserved to get a shot to play because he's been productive and, and a good player everywhere he's gone but he ends yeah. up getting bounced sounds like he might retire based on some of the reporting I've seen so uh, with that being said, again, bit of a futures pick, similar to what I was talking about with I'm trusting Kongbo with the future. And who are my other? Uh, Mark Cordy, I think I chose as a bit of a future. Dan Peterman is a bit of a future. Uh, I took in this spot at linebacker Jordan Williams at a BC uh, because right. I watched enough of Jordan Williams that, yes, it's easy to say, well, he's the top pick, so he must be good. I've watched enough of his actual game film from East Carolina to go, I can't wait to see him on a CFL field. And what does that look like? Cause he is, he's like Larry Dean lightning, quick reaction speed. And if his eyes can get up to speed with his natural athleticism that he showed off in the NCAA, and he can get used to the CFL game and the motions and the personnel packages and the protection schemes from offensive line, all the stuff that goes into playing linebacker. If he gets used to that stuff and his eyes are working as fast as his brain was in the NCAA, he's going to be so much fun. So I went Enoch and Jordan Williams, at middle linebacker. And at will, I went Cam Judge, now with, of course, the Argos, uh, Chris Aki in Montreal, which, by the way, great article on the Alouettes website, if you want to check that out, about Chris Aki being happy to be back in Montreal. It's not a puff piece. It's kind of him bearing his soul a little bit and saying, I I was hurt when I left Montreal the last time, and this is home, and this is where I want to be. So, uh, But he is there. And then Bola Combo I put in there as well. As, uh, as a well linebacker. So Cam Judge, Chris Aki, Bola Combo, Enoch Moamba, and Jordan Williams were my five. And at Sam, I was clueless. Yeah, so you used, uh, you used Mike Miller as a fullback. Yeah. Uh, this is where I started to get my special teamers. Uh, I was Enoch and Judge. They're the two guys who were up for most outstanding Canadian. It, it's tough to go against that. Uh, Jordan Williams is in my depth at middle linebacker. I also threw Corey Greenwood in there. I thought about that, but I wasn't sure because, and know what yeah. actually made me nervous about this DT is that I don't know if John Huffnagel had a Freudian slip <laughs> during his Calgary Stampeders press conference, but uh, I believe it was Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun that said, uh, I, did you say that Corey Green, that the middle linebacker position would be up for grabs? Because Huffnagel said, you know, there's competition and, you know, we've got an opening at middle linebacker. And then Danny was like, sorry, did you say there was an opening at middle linebacker? And he goes, because I thought Corey Greenwood was there. And John Huffnagel mm-hmm. said, oh, no, I, you know, Corey's there. But, you know, we'll see how things shake out through training camp. You know, we've got competition in a lot of spots. And it felt like he was kind of backtracking. Now, he might have just openly forgot. But it also felt like Huff might have been looking at a piece of paper right before he came on the call that said, hi, I've retired. Uh, and it it felt like it might have kind of stumbled out of him in a weird way where he and then he backpedaled because it hadn't been announced yet. I'm not saying that Corey Greenwood is retired. I'm just saying that that felt like that might have been a Freudian. So that scared me off of selecting him. OK, yeah, I, I can feel that. I, I look at their depth chart and I mean, they're locked at, at Will Linebacker with Jameer Thurman, who is probably the CFL All-Star at Will Linebacker this season. Then there's a lot of Canadian names that I'm not super familiar with. Fraser Sopic is a Will Linebacker. Special teamer. Exactly. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do there, but that would be more ammunition for my Calgary to finish fourth uh, <laughs> argument. So I'll just write that down. Um, I love the pick. I, I love, and there are two guys that absolutely have to be on your roster. If you're picking an all Canadian roster, you mentioned Bo Lacombo and Chris Aki. Yeah. Because they're, they're guys who can play multiple positions. They yeah. may well be best suited to be Will linebacker. 
But Lacombo, if, if Lacombo goes back to safety, are you concerned about the safety position? No, no. not really. Uh, if Chris Aki got pressed into duty at a at a halfback spot, yeah, you know what? I'm good with that. Oh, hey guys, somebody, the Sam got hurt. Somebody's got to go over there. I I love those guys. Uh, yeah. And I also uh, just because I threw Ben Hladik in there because yes. as we, we love documented, <laughs> physical monster, just yeah. unbelievable physicality. I my defensive coordinator has got to be able to use him somewhere. Yeah. You figure it out. You want you want him to be the rush end on second and long situations exclusively in the third quarter. Cool, let's do that. You try stuff, and honestly, I stick by my original prediction that Ben Haladic will kill somebody on special teams this year. <laughs> that guy's going to come down in kickoff coverage and put somebody in the hospital. Well, He's so fast and big. Uh, hearing his name makes me smile from ear to ear. If you are listening on, on the podcast and not watching us on our YouTube, then, uh, then you won't understand how much I'm smiling right now. But the reason I am is he made me so happy during draft season because it was a draft season where there wasn't a lot of information to go off of. But when I saw his numbers come in and then I watched him actually play and then I talked to Pat Tracy, the defensive coordinator at UBC about him. And I was just like, this guy is so good. So I projected him to go like fourth overall or something. He falls into like the twenties and I'm like, I don't even care. Cause I still think he should have gone fourth overall. So uh, he ends up going to BC alongside Jordan Williams, alongside Bolo combo. And it just, yeah. it makes, it makes you drool how much they have at their Canadian linebacker positions there. But um, yeah, I like the idea of putting him on our, our combined roster here, if you will, because I look at, at that and think to myself, like, he he very likely and I got actually I want to pull this up just real quick just for uh comparison shopping sake that mm. when does Saskatchewan oh god it's week one okay I yeah. thought it, I thought it was week one can you imagine Dion Lacey the uns oh. the unstoppable no. I, I'm just saying if Dion Lacey coming back from the Buffalo Bills in the NFL the unstoppable kickoff coverage man if he's running down the field on the opening kickoff of the year and he's all fired up like crazy and Ben Plattick is the front wall man or something like that, and those two meet at full speed, who the hell wins? I don't, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't end the rest of us. Like, <laughs> boom, just a nuclear explosion. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be, uh, there's... That's, I, as I said, there's 175 things I'm looking forward to this season. That's like number 119 of will, will a player explode on special teams during the opening game yeah. uh, of the Riders and, and Lions? Uh, Sam Linebacker, like you say, is one of those spots where it's pretty exclusively American, except mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, Calgary had to move Tunde Adelike down there. They had some yeah. problems with injuries and stuff. So when I started moving bodies, I went, Mm, there's some real good safeties and Tunde is among them, but he has shown he can play Sam. So uh, if I'm picking a Sam linebacker, uh, I, I have to go with Tunde because they're just, there aren't a, aren't a ton of other, it's not one Canadians get to play very often, but when right. he did it, he was pretty good. And I honestly think that Bolo Combo, if I were creating this roster and my vision would probably be the Sam and, and I would leave judge and Enoch as the starting Mac and will. Um, yeah, but okay. I, but I also, it's interesting that you bring that up because I have Tunde Adelike and Jermaine Gabriel as my safeties um, here. And, and for me, and I know that Jermaine's a little bit up there in, in, in age, but when I, I not to get sidetracked into Hamilton here, but like Tyrese Beverett, I believe got released and Rico Murray retires and Don Unamba is in Ottawa. So the Sam linebacker position 
I've been playing this game the whole offseason in my mind with what Hamilton's going to do with that spot because, man, is it ever important. I mean, if you go in Javon Santos, Knox, Simone Lawrence, and blank, Eric mm. Harris ain't walking through that door, which is the guy that was there when I started covering the Tiger Cats where it was just like, oh, Sam Linebacker? We don't even think about Sam Linebacker. Eric Harris is a stud. And you just mentioned Tunde played Sam and showed he could play it. I am starting to wonder whether or not first couple of days of training camp, and maybe not even first couple of days, maybe it's week two or whatever, that they just moved Hyundai down and he's just a Sam, just a Sam linebacker. And the reason that I say that is they've got Mike Daly, who's the veteran, obviously, but they've also got Stavros Katsantonis, who's coming in from UBC. Yes. And they like him a lot. Like I know for a fact they like him a lot and that he might give them the flexibility alongside Daly to move Tunde down into that Sam linebacker spot. And at various points, if they want to go with weird personnel packages, you bring in more of a typical air quotes linebacker at Sam. And you mm. can go with like a cover two look where it's either daily or cats and Tonus opposite of Tunde Adelike, who's rolling back. It allows you to tilt the field, play some games, trick quarterbacks eyes with the coverages because, Oh, that's the Sam linebacker. No, he's not. He's a free safety. Who's rolled back. Oh, there's another free safety on the field though. <laughs> oh, okay. But where's the extra linebacker? Oh, he's blitzing. It's like yeah. uh, that idea of being able to be more multiple. I don't know what Hamilton's planning to do with that. I've just been coming up with all these convoluted solutions to it. And I'm starting to wonder if I'm just being an idiot and they're just going to move Tunde down in the box. I, I love the thought. It's one of the things uh, we've been on radio praising Jeremy O'Day, the writer's GM for is giving his coaches a ton of options for how you're going to deploy Canadians. Hey, Oh, field corner safety. Uh, oh, so will linebacker. Oh, actually Mike linebacker defensive tackle four offensive line spots, two receiver spots. Where do you want to put Canadians uh, to be able to do that? Now you go, Hey, here you go. You can do some stuff with here. And we've seen how you talk about two safeties on the field. We've seen how, uh, Chris Jones in Saskatchewan did it so very effectively with I've lost his name because he went to the NFL uh, and I'll pull it'll come in in five minutes but oh he's lined up at rush end oh he's lined up at middle linebacker now he's the deep lying safety oh try to spot number zero and oh uh, to- is it Toby Antigua that you're Toby thinking Antigua, of? Thank okay, you. yeah 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 what do we do? Where's Antigua now? Like you to be able to do that and just goof with guys who who want to go hey. Uh, 34 is the mic. Well, too bad. Too bad. Cause we're, yeah. we're not on the same team. So I'm going to goof with you as much as I can. I, I like the thought of that a For lot. Sure. And a delicate guy who I I'm with the uh, flexibility when you're creating these rosters, right? That's what GMs are looking for. And that's what Marsh and DT are looking for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have, as I say, Tunde and Jermaine Gabriel, that got a response out of you. What are you looking at at free safety? What are your thoughts? Oh, I did not have, I had Jermaine Gabriel and I let him go as my third one. Cause I needed to get down to 46. I had Antoine Pruno and Mike Edom. And I oh, don't wow. know which one I go with. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Mike Edom. Mike, one good guy. He, he and I yep. are together on the radio, but two, I think he really, he really is an important piece of the best back five in, in the Canadian football league. So uh, I think a veteran guy who has been around and has seen his, his share of stuff uh, coming off a shoulder injury this year. I think he's going to be just fine. And I've always had a ton of respect for uh, Antoine Pruno, another guy of, okay, if I had to pick somebody from Ottawa, okay, we're, we're going there. Uh, but uh, those guys not on your list at all. Yeah. So Pruno, the reason that I was scared off away from that one is that I feel like, um, you're going to end up seeing, I was going to call him Adam O'Claire, but that's his brother that's playing in the NFL. 
Anthony? Anthony O'Claire, I believe. Oh, no, Anthony is in the NFL. Adam O'Claire is as well. Yeah, Sorry. there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, again, we're, we're trying to get all these names right, people. Uh, but yeah, Adam O'Claire, I feel like, is the future at free safety in, in Ottawa with Mike Benavides. And I think that sooner rather than later, they would be better off starting to transition him into that spot to get him the reps and the experience too. And again, he can play a variety of positions, but they're not going to need him down lower. I don't think in the box. And I think he's got the skill set to be really, really dynamic coming out of Laval where they don't produce a ton of high end. Uh, I would say free safeties. There's a couple of guys that have come into the league. Uh, again, uh, Thibodeau, I believe that was in Calgary was a real speedster, but Eau Claire is right. a different, he's a different body type. Eau Claire is someone who can come down in the box from free safety and get involved in the run game. And he has the speed to cover. So I think he's probably going to be the guy they'll look towards again. I say sooner rather than later. I have no idea what that timeline is, or if there's even a timeline in place for that. I just feel like Pruno is, uh, is maybe on the back end of his career and he's been dinged up a little bit and they might transition. So that scared me away from that. And then uh, I, you know, my love I'm with you too. I, I, I should have included him in the conversation here because he absolutely deserves to be part of it. Uh, I was just pulling up, see if I could find some uh, digits uh, into his coverage. Adams, 9.3 yards per target last season. That's actually a decent number as far as safeties go, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, we kind of love who we love, right? When it comes to, I can't necessarily describe why I love this safety over, over that one. And maybe a little bit is, is influenced by listening to Suits and Ford talk about them and glow about them when, I, when you watch the TSN broadcast. But yeah. Those were the two that came to me. And then, oh, uh, defensive backs get super interesting because <laughs> we're, we're getting more of them. And I think more teams are committed to this thing where, hey, one of our, one of our defensive back spots, non-safety, is going to be a Canadian. Uh, gosh, Toronto, Saskatchewan looks like it. Uh, is, is Edmonton able to pull that off this season? Uh, oh. Uh, but bump uh okay not as much they used to but they're they're set with americans i I feel like more teams are are getting there so we get guys like uh well we've had arjun colhoun around for a while but well what's ailey buka's future in saskatchewan is it at that field cornerback spot uh godfrey onyeka nelson lacombo there's three guys the riders have included the number two overall pick where you go oh okay you're you're taking this perimeter defensive back thing as a canadian very seriously and i and i I like the thought of that. Uh, Matt Boateng is another name that comes to mind, but yeah. Colhoun's been a guy who's gotten some some reps with the Argos in past years. That you go, oh, okay, this this might be a thing. It's just it's very hard, right, in your mind to go, okay, now where do I put them, and how is it going to go when they yeah. get there? So the physicality that you need at boundary corner, I would go with Buka if I were to put him there. And again, because he's he's seen a little bit of the NFL stuff as well, and he's got the length and he can get up at the line of scrimmage with you, which again, there's not a ton of press man when you're talking about boundary corners, but I've, I've lived the Delvin bro experience and I've seen what length and athleticism can do at the boundary corner. So I would put Buka in that spot. And then uh, yeah, honestly, uh, between Colhoun, Lacombo, and then another one that I had so much respect for when I watched him in the CFL draft was Robbie Woodson and oh, uh, yeah. at, at the University of Calgary. And I could put any of those three guys over on the field and feel totally comfortable with them, right? And if this were five years ago, Courtney Steven, I think, would be a lock uh, to be at that yeah. spot where you would say, yeah, he's he's your field corner, no doubt about it. But um, the thing that, that was really tough for me, because we've done the safety We've got a pool of names here that we agree upon when it comes to corners. What, what do you do with halfback? Because halfback, you have to, I mean, boundary half is, you've talked about being one of the most 
difficult spots to play in the entire CFL and field half yeah. is a true cover guy who has to have size, who can run and jump with the big boys like Greg Ellingson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Brandon Banks runs from there. And Oh, by the way, good luck sticking with Brian Burnham. Like yeah. you, uh, uh, Oh, and Oh, and here, Oh, you want some Eric Rogers in the red zone? Yeah. Go ahead and take care <laughs> of that guy. Like, right. Uh, boundary half is those are the elite defensive backs that, yeah. that, can, that can't get away with, and I say get away, they can't get away with press coverage mm-hmm. because I'm coming full speed. Good luck. I'm Brandon Banks and you're not, right? Yeah. That's uh so yeah, I I I honestly I hate to check it out, but I don't even know who you who Yeah, you I'm with there. you. I'm with you. I'm I got scared off this one. I sat and looked at uh, roster names up and down that were Canadians, and there was no real true fit. But again, that kind of explains why teams don't give that position and it's not the Canadians are not good at playing defensive back and they're not worthy of playing that spot it's that unless we see somebody get to play that spot consistently or a bunch of guys get to play that spot consistently we are trained that that boundary half is a dominant American essentially almost a linebacker type that can run and cover um, because you're playing on the outside of the fringes of the box but if the ball's in the left hash and you are into the boundary as a halfback and they run toss towards you congrats you're now a linebacker uh, in the yeah. CFL, because you have pulling offensive linemen that are running downhill at you and you're coming up to the line of scrimmage with a receiver in front of you. So, yeah, I, I, I feel no shame in leaving that one blank for now. And maybe we'll just throw that out when we put up the graphic on CFP on our Twitter and Instagram of this all Canadian team that we've gathered. Yeah, We'll, we'll just say, you guys got any ideas? Because <laughs> I'm sure there'll be people that will throw out names. I'm just not sure any of them are great fits. Yeah, I, I was just going through the guys I have uh, just a little bit of depth chart here. I Guys I have playing boundary halfback this season. Marcus Sales, BC. Deshaun Amos. Aaron Grimes. Yes, please. Cariel yep. uh, Brooks, I just kind of assume, is in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Reed is, is nice in Montreal. Ottawa, Abdul Kane. It's Ed Ganey in Saskatchewan. Is that where Toronto puts Shaq Richardson? And then I have no idea what, what Winnipeg is doing back there. But those are those are players. Those yep. are I, I would take – if you could just give me five Aaron Grimes, I'm good. I'm good with yeah. whatever. You, you 100%. throw me whatever. Uh, let's move into yeah. the uh, the DT wheelhouse here. Let's go specials. Uh, and I want to make the case for Lewis Ward uh, over Rene Paradis. This is uh, – Oh, uh, I like that you're going to try this. Let's go. Uh, and, again, I don't have the numbers to back this like you do, but I saw him front squatting about 300 pounds on Instagram yesterday. So that's my argument. Uh, no, but I'm I, sorry. Uh, yeah, Lewis Ward is thick. Uh, he is strong. If you want to check out some great offseason workout videos, Lewis Ward posted some stuff right before camp began. Uh, I, as somebody who I always say on this show pretends to be strong in my garage, like four or five days a week, the amount of admiration I have for a kicker doing the things strength wise that he is doing in some of those videos is just amazing. So, uh, but I think that again, this is a bit of a projection for me, and it's not that I'm saying Rene's washed up. Rennie Paradez is a Hall of Famer, unbelievable Canadian, like love everything about his CFL story, his productivity, his consistency, good dude. He's the whole package. But if I'm building this roster, and again, I'm trying to think about the next five years, mm-hmm. Rennie Paradez might play the next five years for all I know. He's a kicker. They can play until they're 90 if they want to. Um, but I love Lewis Ward, not just for the story. I love him for his ability to take on the challenge mentally of what he did when he was hitting every single damn kick as a rookie and just keep knocking down that wall further and further and further. Cause 
a lot of people say, well, he's a kicker. If he doesn't get hit and if they show him the uprights, he can kick it. I'm saying, no, the mental game as a rookie in the CFL to be uh, coming from the University of Ottawa as well, like going through the actual real true Canadian process of Bay Ridge Secondary School, I believe, is where he played in Kingston to the University of Ottawa GGs to being in the University of uh, or sorry, to being the Ottawa Red Blacks kicker and then being able to feel the pressure with every single kick. The crowd, you know, the CT, it would it would buzz. Yeah. Every time that he would come out, every time there'd be a second down incomplete pass, they're in, in field goal range, the crowd would start to buzz. And you would feel that every single time. And yet every single time he went out and pushed that record further and further and further and further down the road. So uh, I just love his mental makeup. I think he's strong. I think he's going to be a great kicker for a long, long time. So I want him on my team. Uh, Lewis Ward in his two years in the CFL is number three in expected kicking value. Uh, Justin Medlock is number one because Justin Medlock's the greatest kicker in the history of the CFL in my mind. Uh, Sean White is number two, mm-hmm. uh, but Ward has has uh, is pretty close to despite fewer attempts. Uh, I was Ward was an interesting one for me because in eighteen they didn't really let him kick from particularly far. Right? Oh, they so, wanted to maintain it. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't know what to make of that. And then uh, I think I think it was online that uh, uh, Red Black special teams coach Bob Dice like, no, no, he can do it. And I thought, okay, well, I am curious to see it. Then in 19, okay, oh, 50-something, boom, yeah, we're good. Oh, okay, well, now all my fears about Lewis Ward are laid. And then you come with the front squat story, <laughs> and uh, now I, I have to rethink. Um, Paredes stood out for me because he has been the best kicker from 40 to 49 yards. Mm-hmm. Medlock was a 50-yard-plus monster. Triple the attempts of anybody else. Paredes had a couple, including a game winner along the way. But from 40 yards, there's nobody better than Rene Paredes. Uh, both expected value, and he hits, is it 86% of his kicks between 40 and 49, which is uh, the best in the Canadian Football League. Uh, oh, pardon me, Lewis Ward right behind him, but on a EPA per attempt basis, uh, Rene Paredes, he struggles at other distances. So yeah, you're kind of swaying me to Lewis Ward. Uh, <laughs> He's the future, man. He is. And it's, again, it's kind yeah. of like the conversation. It's been around a while. Yeah. It's the conversation that we had about fullback, right? Where Declan Cross is the future. Mike Miller is the past, but Mike Miller is still in the league. Like yeah. Rene, Rene Paredes is still in the league. So he's not technically the past, but the future, the next five, 10 years at fullback is Declan Cross. The next five, 10 years at kickers, Lewis Ward. Like this is the next generation of the Canadian guys that stick with one franchise and everybody loves for an extended period of time. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, <laughs> go watch it's those got, working yeah, videos. I, Cause it's, um, switch. um, yeah, he's, he's fun. And I think that he's got a good personality and he embraces the challenge and, uh, he'll be, I just, I hope that he's not their best player in Ottawa. And I hate to say that about Lewis Ward, but like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be saying that at the end of the year, because my fear based on the, the Matt Nichols red zone experience at times in Winnipeg, which helped obviously Justin Medlock boost his numbers a lot of the time is that you're going to get Lewis Ward kicking a lot of field goals. And the reason that comes to mind is because Paul Apolis and the Red Blacks media availability said we need to, to score points. It doesn't matter if it's touchdowns or field goals. And in my mind, I'm like, that sounds like we're going to get a lot of Lewis Ward because you got to score sevens, man, in this league to be able to actually get wins and not just put up 15 points and lose 31 to 15. Yeah, I I get what Lapo is saying there, but I, I'm honestly, I'm curious to see, and granted, different offensive coordinator in Winnipeg, and I think you and I talked about this, but how not having Justin Medlock is going to change them. 
you don't have this safety net of, ah, you know what, we're at the 45, we can be, we can relax a little bit on second and 10 because Justin's got it from 52, he's fine. Uh, that you, you should want to be more aggressive. And man, Ottawa is going to need some lucky bounces this season to get above, I don't know, four and 10. So uh, they got to be aggressive and not maybe take, take Rick Campbell's approach to letting Ward kick converts, which was he didn't let him do it and, and take that to field goals and go, I, you know what? We know we can do it, but we should really be much more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, I got to say though, you, uh, you spun me to Lewis Ward. Uh, so apologies to Paredes and, and Sean White, but Ward though, he wasn't, he didn't hit 57 in a row or whatever. His uh, expected points added in 2019 was about the same as it was in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he had no, uh, Brett Lowther had a drop off from 18 to 19 when he was world beater to, okay, he's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Ward has Ward's been consistently good over two seasons. I like that a lot. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, I'm going to go long snapper here. Uh, I went with... One choice here. Yeah, he's old. throw up whatever you want. I For me, Tanner Dahl, I have soft spot because I think his story is pretty cool um, because if you read the profile that we had up on CFP about him, which is still up on the website there, then his background and how he got to the CFL and all the rest is pretty amazing. But uh, Aaron Crawford has been consistently very good for a very long period of time. And so uh, I apologize to Martin Bedard, who sounds like got forced into retirement because of his age at 37 uh, this yeah. past week, as written by Herb Zerkowski in the Montreal Gazette. But I went with Aaron Crawford just because he was good for the Ticats, never really made that many mistakes. And I like the story of the guys that go home, uh, despite what I said about Suk Chung earlier in this uh, broadcast, that Aaron Crawford from Medicine Hat, Alberta, going back and being with the Calgary Stampeders is it's a feel-good story, and he's working with a really good kicking unit, so he should be able to have some success. Starts and ends with Chad Rempel, and I know he's <laughs> 75 this year. He turned 75 <laughs> this year, but uh, uh, it, it got explained to me that uh, – if, you're, if your snapper is better, you can use more gunners. And I don't think anybody uses more gunners than Winnipeg did during Rempel's time. Uh, so uh, it's Chad Rempel. That's such a niche position. Like we, we notice it the 2% of time, it doesn't go perfectly for you. But yeah. uh, Rempel and Jorgen Hoos made my list. I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, apart from counting gunners, I don't know how I'm necessarily going to make this decision, but <laughs> I'll dive into the tape and count gunners to, yes. to confirm my Chad Rempel choice. And the last one, I saved some production for here at the end of our roster because, as I said, kicker is the wheelhouse of DT. But now, everyone, we come to punters. All right, DT, the floor is yours. Punters, go ahead. There are a lot of American punters in this league. <laughs> and then you, you go through it and you go, actually, a lot of the Canadians out of the getting some jobs in the C in the NFL or or somewhere else so or, or retired Rob Maver so uh entirely what do you do with that um Richie Leone uh, is he can he be Canadian or am I stuck with him being American still? I think he's American still uh, Liram Hirolahu is he back because I, I think like he's gonna be back but I don't uh, actually know Boris Bidet, not Canadian, so... Uh, well, now he's global, isn't he? Because we transitioned that because he was uh, French and he was national and now he's not a national. I don't... So the the top, uh, I should sort this by yards per punt because the guy's uh, yards above average, they're, they were all American. Uh, Hiralahu was number two in yards above average per punt. Ronnie Peffer, uh, although I don't necessarily know I'm down with that, would it be Hugh O'Neill? Uh, 
Rob Maver. Uh, honestly, though I know he finished uh, on a yards above average, he finished slightly below average. I ended up going with John Ryan. Oh. That's a guy with a ton of experience. The, he has such a big leg. Yeah. He, like, the legs in the Canadian Football League are Richie Leone and John Ryan. And then it's to me, it seems like there's a little gap to the next guy. So I ended up going with John Ryan because I couldn't have Hyra Lahu. Um, I, I don't know. Medlock, Mavers retired. Uh, Ronnie Peffer, I'm, I don't know about that one. Uh, and Hugh O'Neill. And, and John, when you're caught in your own end, when you're anywhere from the minus one to the minus 50, uh, I think John's my guy. And you know, he's going to figure out he had 13 punt singles. He had, he had work. Let's go full punter nerd for a sec. <laughs> I was calling a game in Saskatchewan. He had the biggest robbery. He had a punt bounce on the sideline hash mark at the five yard line. Perfect punt. It turns right and goes into the end zone. And I went, come on, <laughs> there's nothing for this guy. No luck whatsoever. Uh, I think John's going to, going to figure out his troubles in plus territory. And I think from a, uh, from a coaching perspective, maybe let's, let's kick some field goals or let's go for it. Uh, I, I, I had to go with John Ryan ultimately, because man, I, until you look at it, you never realize how many Americans are, are doing punting jobs. We're doing punting jobs, at least in 19. Got that before I end up getting uh, sued by somebody from uh, from some sort of uh, Disney production there. But uh, there, there you go. go. So that is our Canadian roster. We will post the graphic of that up on our social uh, at CF Perspectives, where you can find us, of course, on Instagram and Twitter. Before we get out of here for this week on the breakdown, I just want you to pick a storyline, something that you've noticed, a little uh, anecdote, something that's because there's so much news dropping every day right now, which is fantastic yeah. for us. But what's the thing that's kind of caught your eye or maybe you were interested in bouncing around on the, on the sports cage? Uh, I was very interested in how much gambling has already come into the CFL conversation. Yeah. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks were just apparently, based on the stories that came out of there, bombarded with questions about gambling. Yeah, uh, because uh, Bodogs set their over. That was experience. Dunk. Dunk was doing that it in. It was Dunk doing that in every press conference, and he and he was just going Bodog Canada. You know they have the odds at this, and I'm sitting in the Zoom going, these coaches like they hear name of sponsored gambling thing and they just cr they curl up in a ball like they, they don't want <laughs> nothing to do with any of that so yeah when he asked he I think he asked the same question but opposite of Hamilton when they said yo Bodog Canada has you uh down for a, a certain amount of wins this year and Orlando Steinar was like I mean I don't really know anything about that and it's like they they are actively trying to distance themselves from the gambling conversation as the gambling yeah. is coming in straight into the conversation yeah, so Bodog sets them at three and a half wins. And then uh, Lapo said something effective. I don't know what a Bodog is. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, Ottawa's not going to be. Ottawa, uh, again, I'm trying to be nice. Marsh, you're making me, uh, <laughs> just being next to you, you're such a nice guy. I'm trying to be nice here. <laughs> Ottawa is the ninth most talented roster in there the you go. football league. Uh, I think Lapo is fantastic. I yeah. think uh, Lapo gets $2 worth of value for every $1 uh, they paid Matt Nichols in Winnipeg. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I would, I would, I would do untold unspeakable things to humanity to, to preserve Mike Benavides. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what that means, but I like Mike <laughs> Benavides a lot. And I, I agreed with it. I didn't are... know what it meant either. And I agreed with it. That's how much I like him too. 
Yeah, they are in a lot of trouble. One, because their roster was undermanned to start with. And two, their retirements have come at some of the worst positions imaginable. Mm -hmm. Apart from quarterback, losing all-star Canadian receiver, two interior linemen, starting halfback, boundary halfback in Corey Tyndall. It's, it's going to be a long season for Ottawa. So for all the sassing that in that press conference, they were giving the three and a half wins. That three and a half wins is a, is a real, that was a real solid number put out by Bodog. Let's say that because uh, some of us are going to make money having bet on the under. Uh, and it, <laughs> it sucks to say three and 11, but two and 12, uh, four games against Montreal, four games against Montreal. Uh, Hopefully Montreal isn't very good is Ottawa's hope for this season. And that was Toronto and Ottawa's relationship in 2019, as we all know from going back is Toronto, <laughs> Toronto ends up with four wins and three of them are Ottawa, right? And the other one was Winnipeg. So, um, the, I want you to imagine when that happened on that call where, you know, Bodog has you guys at over under 3.5 wins. Um, do you think that, you know, somebody should take the over or whatnot? And when Lapoli said, I don't even know what a Bodog is, I just want you to imagine the smile that went across Tim Baines of the Ottawa Suns face. Uh, because Tim Baines knew immediately that he had the quote that he needed for his article. And I was sitting in the Zoom of all these media members with their cameras on sitting there. And, you know, some people are paying attention. Everybody's like kind of, you know, grinding away and taking notes. And, and then that line came up and Tim Baines had just, he looked up into his camera and started giggling. And I was like, yeah. And I read the article afterwards and that was the lead of the article. I'm like, of course it was. Cause he was so happy with that. So yeah. um, the thing that's jumped out for me in the lead up here to training camps kicking off, which by the next time that you hear our voices on this show, training camps will be open. There will be more news. I'm sure there will be more retirements and, and interesting things that have happened the first couple of days of these, uh, these training camps that we haven't seen before, but, uh, I, I knew that it was going to be a competition with Masoli and Evans in Hamilton. And to hear that the money will, will play no factor in it, I found that to be interesting because that means it's a true competition. Like that means that they are putting two, and this is what I always find to be interesting in scouting CFL draft is take away the helmet, take off the decal, take off the sponsors and the logos and the history and the, if you put two players in blank helmets and blank practice jerseys that have no numbers and no names on a football field and you just evaluate them, that's a true competition because otherwise there are innate biases that are going to go into your decision-making on any player that you have in your entire roster. You know, well, I know that guy or I went to school with his, uh, his mom or maybe, you know, he's a coach that I know from down south suggested him to me or it sounds like none of that's going to be in play. Now, whether or not that's true remains to be seen, but the way they spoke mm. about it in that Ticats conference call, I thought that was that was eye-opening because that says to me that this is really, truly just going to be, we need the best man to lead our football team, and whoever gets it, gets it. And, uh, and I didn't really see that one coming because I thought that there would be some innate built-in. I made the case earlier in the year on a couple of different radio shows around the country that Masoli would be the starter because, yeah. because I believe that Orlando Steinauer, while he is an, an intensely uh, competitive person, he also is an incredible players coach and he understands the player psyche, I think better than any coach, maybe outside of Mike O'Shea in the CFL. And so I thought there's no way he lets Jeremiah Masoli's CFL journey from being practice roster guy in Edmonton to traded to Hamilton to third string to build your way up to get in alongside Ja'Cory Harris and Jeff Matthews and Hamilton into being a backup, into Kolaros being bad, into June Jones coming, into being a starter, into being an MOP candidate. I don't think he lets that journey end on, well, you tore your ACL and then Dane Evans came in and stole your job. 
because I thought that he would do the old player coach style of, uh, you know what, the, the, the uh, kind of preconceived notion going into a competition is always mm. going to lean towards the guy that had the job previously. And it sounds like that's not, that's not the fact. That's not how that's going to play out. So uh, I'm just intrigued to see where it goes from here, because if it is what they say it's going to be, it just got a lot juicier than what was already going to be an entertaining battle. Here's here's why I don't know that I say this that I that I don't know that I understand why this is going to be an open competition. There are zero games to be played between now and the opening of the season, right? Yeah. It is going to be a bunch of practices that I presume there'll be a black versus yellow game for the Tie Cats. What, what apart from Jeremiah Masoli's health, what are they going to learn from their two quarterbacks that they don't know? Right now, as you and I are talking, uh, you have two guys who, for his career, Masoli's thrown a little bit deeper than Evans uh, on, a, on a raw percentage basis. Their accuracy's been about the same since Masoli's throwing deeper. Uh, advantage Masoli. He adds the run element that very few guys in this league do. As I, as I went through it, I was going through it on Sunday night because I just got super deep down rabbit holes. I went, oh, actually, these guys statistically they profile out fairly similar other than a little deeper throwing for Masoli, but passing accuracy, uh, adjusted interception rate, which accounts for balls that defenders dropped. They're right about dead even. I think, well, if they're dead even, it's Masoli Mm -hmm. because if his knee is fine, he adds scramble potential and he adds more effective designed run capabilities that I don't think Dane Evans I don't think Dane Evans does to the same extent. Let's say that. I think Evans may be capable of it, but doesn't do to the same extent. So as I look at that, I go, I think you already know what the answer is. Interesting. You provided a a, a bike because I look at this and go, I don't know that I would have a hard time if Masoli is back. I don't know that I would would have a hard time with this one. But let, let me ask you, what did Dane Evans show that makes you go, yeah, he is number, like he's the number one quarterback. To me, what? it would be decision-making, and I know that the interceptions okay. that were up for grabs, but for me, there and this is the thing about Masoli, is you can tell pretty quickly in a lot of games whether or not Jeremiah is going to have one of those games that blow your mind where he makes 10 throws that you've never seen before, or yeah. is he going to have a game like the 2018 East Final where you're going to Ottawa, and it's, I believe, three interceptions, and all three of them you're going, I don't know what he was looking at in that. So he yeah. has a couple of those moments, and yes, Dane has a couple of risky spots, but I think by and large, Dane feels a lot more like Nick Arbuckle, something that is maybe safer, maybe something that you can build around. But at the same time, Tommy Condell has no interest in playing it safe and throwing checkdowns. And that's Mm -hmm. what Nick Arbuckle did. He wants to spread the field. Well, Dane, I think, throws the best bubble uh, throw in in the entire CFL at this point because he gets the ball so quick, so accurate with so much pace. And that's just reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. Um, I think this battle is going to be a a franchise shaper going forward for the next little while. You know what? Next week, let's do the definitive Masoli Dane Evans breakdown episode. Uh, I would, I would like to do that. And we will tear down into this after I have a couple of days of being at tie cats camp, hopefully, uh, and being able to actually watch them in person and see how this is shaping. And I'd like to add more insight to it for our listeners here on this. And what is really the only true quarterback battle going into a CFL training camp amongst the nine teams as of right now? I don't, 
unless you're going to end up having Paxton Lynch come in and steal Cody's job out there. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say Ryan Dinwiddie. Don't be afraid. MBT is the real deal. Let's go. McLeod Bethel Thompson to the moon. Yes, exactly. Uh, that is going to do it for us here on the breakdown this week. Again, don't forget Fox 40, our friends over there. CFP 15 is the promo code 15% off. All your return to play whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and enter that code CFP15. Again, 15% off. And if you want to essentially get 15% off, because if it's an order of $100 and you actually use the promo code CFL on sawdustcitybeer.com, you'll save about 15 bucks as well. So use the promo code CFL. Must be legal drinking age. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Had a lot of fun with those tastings. They're up on our YouTube page as well. You can check them out right there. At DT on SC is Derek Taylor. I'm at TSN underscore Marsh. Derek, thanks as always, man. Have fun on the sports cage for the rest of the week. All right, brother. You take care.